Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. So put it in neutral, feed off the brakes, and take your hands off the steering wheel, because here we go. Here is your guide on this journey, Car Wash Magazine Editor-in-Chief, Matt DeWolf. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Car Wash, the podcast, the podcast that makes you a better car washer. And you know what? I'm going to switch it up on you guys this week and a better human being. Why the change? Well, because of our guest today uh, reminding me that words really do matter. And so instead of saying a slightly better human being, we're going to make you a better human being. Darn it. Today, we're going to be talking about something that is so important to this industry right now with all of the growth and all of the change. Uh, We talk about it a lot. It's one of my passion points, but we're talking about people, getting the right people on, getting them in the right seats, but most importantly, creating the right culture so that those people stay with you forever. Um, Look, to, to create that culture, though, is a super difficult challenge, and sometimes the hardest thing to do is figure out where do I start? Guess what, friends? Spoiler alert. It starts with you. Yep, it starts with you. So let's talk a little bit more about that, shall we? We're going to be talking today to Hernani Alves. Uh, Hernani started out as a a part-time employee for a business, um, moved up into the role of president of a three, three, let's say that again, three billion dollar company. Along the way, it turns out he picked up a few things. And so uh, today, Hernani is um, a CEO of TurboShine. Uh, he's the chief motivational officer of everything. Uh, he's, he runs Balanced IQ and does uh, a lot of uh, speaking engagements and appearances and is an author. So lots of good stuff to share. Hernani, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. That was a great introduction. Have you been stalking Maybe me, a little Matt? bit. That was kind of... Maybe a little bit. I mean, it's okay. Not, that's that's it's cool. not weird when it's work, right? Hey, there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well... Amen. So let's let's start. Um, I want to start with this chief motivational officer because my, I've long wanted to create my own title for myself that was just something a little bit more fun. So why why chief motivational officer? One of my clients, uh, he owns a Makuni business, which is sushi here in California, and so his CEO title he says I could call whatever I want. So he's the chief dreaming officer. His job is to dream all day and dream of the future. So I was like, you know. At the other day, my job is to come in and motivate. You know, no one really cares what you have to say until they know you care. So I got to make sure they they know that I care. So let's let's just say chief motivation officer. Because if I'm not doing that, I'm not motivating. But if you think about what a CEO does, that's what they're designed to do: is motivate their team, motivate their company, and inspire them to go to that next level. I love that. I mean, it's it's uh, we're going to get into this, but it's better than some of the other names that you could be called, right? I mean, I know in your in your book, there's a name you share that I have also been called, not the her part, but I've been called uh, that as well. Uh, wow. uh, you know, also uh, <laughs> when I early on in my career, I got Dream Crusher a lot, and that's not really what you want to be called. So, you know, we no. work on these things and we get better. Um, but we're going to get into that in just a minute. Before we get into all that, though. You got some explaining to do, my friend. Like, tell me about car wash and your ties to this industry. Yeah, it's unique. So I've been in the car wash business since I was 19. Uh, since the days I worked at Chevron, we knew that the most profitable part, you know, gas isn't where you make your money. That was only sense. You made your money on the fountain drinks and car washes. So if you could sell those car washes, which I think at the time was like, this isn't back in the mid 90s. So it was like $3 for the 
the regular, and then the best one was going to be like $5. So if you could do that, the, there was tremendous amount of margin. And so we won a few contests that way. And then my family, uh, which, which was uh, Frank, and he's my brother-in-law and my sister, they really got into, they understood that the car wash model in gas stations is okay, but there should be something a little bit better. Uh, but he didn't want to do full serve with all the labor. He wanted to do something in between. That was just, we know that most people have to wash the outside of their car more than they have to do the inside. So he created this drive-through express uh, model, which it wasn't called the express back then. This was 98. So there might've been one earlier, but I thought he was way ahead of his time. And uh, since then there's, we have, the family has six of them in central California called fast track. And then I've got turbo shine, which is more in Sacramento area, but it's at the end of the day, you talked about yeah. people that is way more important than having the best location on the planet. Uh, Cause I've seen the best location on the planet have bad people. And guess what happens? Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. I've, I've seen the worst location on the planet get great people. And all of a sudden it does well. So what is that? What's the common denominator? It's the people. It's the heartbeat. That's what drives an organization. I, you know, I love that. Um, I love that because it's sort of like people don't, join companies they join people right i mean you're not going to join you don't go to work for a place because it's a it's, it's just you know i want to work for insert big corporate name here i go to work for a place because i interview somebody who i connected with or my friend worked at that place and so they referred me and i think it's a great place now too so i think that that's super important as we go through this um you have a fun advantage here because You've got this book with a lot of really good takeaways and uh, a very specific process in terms of how to kind of create this culture. You also have that car wash background. So we're going to talk a lot about that today in terms of how do you take the things that are in your book and apply that specifically to our um, lovely car wash environment. So I want to start, well, I guess you have to start at the beginning because that's what your book says to do. You have to do these things in order. So tell me a little bit first, maybe just about the book, uh, where that came from, uh, and kind of how you approached that. Perfect. The one thing I always get is the name Hernani. You've probably never met another Hernani. You know, you can't even go to the zoo or find a Hernani. It just doesn't <laughs> exist. So English is my second language, Portuguese being my first. I was born in Angola, Africa, and uh, there was a lot of Hernanis there. There's actually a country Hernani in Portugal. That's where I came from. Uh, but how I got into it, I, I started off as a part-time employee at a great company here in California called Sleep okay. Train. Grew up, eventually became president of that company. And then we sold the company in 2014. Uh, so we, you know, we had over 15,000 employees once we kind of merged and consolidated. And I stayed on for another three years and wanted to start giving back to my family because I was traveling so much. 143 nights the last year of my year on the road. So here, here I am now, and I have a daughter that's in high school, and I'm like, it's time for me to give out. I'm taking a few years off, and I'm just going to focus on that. But when I left, it was amazing to see a lot of the people that I worked with, vendors and, and suppliers go, hey, we want to have that same culture you guys had there. It was unbelievable. Will you work with me? Uh, we want to have that accountability, that ownership. And see, most organizations, they stay away from that. They stay away from accountability. Uh, it freaks, they think they're going to lose people. But once you do it right, that's when you create a culture of ownership. And once you create a culture of ownership, that's what helps take you with that peer-to-peer -peer accountability. And it just helps you recruit more people because I know it's challenging right now recruiting people. Uh, but it also recruits more customers because they can feel the love. You start reading in your reviews, 
I love going to this place. This is my favorite place. And you start just hearing that love word. That's where it takes you to a different level. Well, and I think a lot of it too is like the change in personality for an employee from this is my wash versus this is my job. I think it's, I think it's a tremendous difference because, and like you said, it does make it so that uh, they can create customer experiences that make the customers feel like that's their wash Right, and that's where they're going to come back to, regardless of like you said before, whether or not you're in an A plus location or not. Coming back to the people to create that experience that make me feel good as a customer, I love that. Um, okay, so you've scaled before, you've done this, you've done big business. We're scaling a lot right now in this industry. We're we're growing and consolidating. Um, are you are you into that? I mean, are you like is that is that on the roadmap for you? Yeah, no, no question. Uh, there's a huge opportunity. There's a lot more awareness about the car wash industry. The subscription model is going through the roof. Uh, employees, I actually think, aren't as difficult to recruit once you've if you've got a really good platform where you've got good raving reviews. You are out there because employees have a like you talked about. They have a choice. They could go wherever they want. They're going to look you up, and if you don't have really good backbone or reviews, or they can't hear leaders talk about how great your company is, why should they work for you? There's so many options for them. They're going to go somewhere else. Uh, but the car wash industry is an awesome industry. I mean, at the end of the day, you're making people shine. Uh, but what else do you do above that, right? So do you give back? Is there anything? Why does your car wash exist? Why is it on this planet? D- does your team know what that is? Do they know how to act? What, do, is it okay for them to use love in right. the workplace? And that's kind of weird. That's one of our values is love. And they're like, how do you, that's one of our questions that we ask new hires. How do you feel about love? And they're like, many times, guess what we get? Like, oh, that's kind of nice. I'm glad you got to do that. It's not the romantic kind. I've worked with some car wash shoppers like, <laughs> no way. There's no way I'm going to even touch that four-letter word. I'll say the other four-letter word before I say love, which is crazy, right? Because love is that taking it to that next level. I'm not romantic. It's not going to work. But the love of helping other people, the love of serving your team, once you do that, they're going to mimic you, and they're going to do that exactly with their customers. So my, my team has a, a rule that they'll never get in trouble for taking care of a customer. Never, 100%. I normally give them a high five. I'm like, I'm glad you did that. That's great. That's so, great. No, uh, so, okay, so you're, you're leading us right into it. I love it. There's, uh, so there's three Ps in this process. It's, it's personal, it's positivity, and it's performance. So we're going to go through each one of those. Uh, we're going to get into the personal side because you're teeing up the love piece. Um, you know, I... I've been around this industry for long enough now to have, you know, talked to a few people. And what I always find fascinating uh, and really, frankly, encouraging is that when I get to sit down and do interviews with people who have been in this industry for a long time and are doing it right, their employees, like, they've been with that company for 15 years, for 20 years, for 25 years. And you start asking, like, well, why? Like, what, what makes you stay? Why do you come back? Why do you stay in this industry? They always say, because uh, this company makes me feel like it's my family. And I think that that goes right into your number one thing here in the three Ps of, of personal. Can you just explain for us just um, kind of the, the underlying premise of personal and maybe get into that a little bit? Just so your audience knows, because I'm a big fan of yours and I listen to your podcast. You reached out to me and said, hey, get, let me listen to the book. I want to read it and so forth before we met. You actually did, did. read yeah. the book. I mean, you know it inside out. I didn't give you this information. So thank you yeah. for doing that. That's awesome. So personal accountability is, that's where it starts. It starts with you, the most important person. 
And I learned this on early on. I wasn't a great leader. Uh, there was a point on in my career where I was getting the results. I was, I was, the team was making more money than they ever made before because they were getting their bonus. And I remember my leader at the time came and gave me some tough love. He goes, I want to take you out to lunch. We go out to lunch. And I thought he was praising me because the store's on fire. We're doing great. And he goes, Hernani, do you know your team doesn't want to work with you? I'm like, no way. I mean, there's no way. They're making more money. They're getting, they're looking at promotions. There's just no way. He goes, do you know what your nickname is? And I go, nickname? And I go, I didn't know I had a nickname. I mean, Hernani is one of those words, one of those names you can have a lot of fun with. But they gave me, can I say yeah, my yeah. nickname on this yeah. podcast? Yeah. Okay, because it's. I think it's like one of the worst names on the planet. They called me Her Nazi. Her Nazi. That's like the worst person, worst thing you can call someone. I couldn't believe it. And I was upset. I was at the point where like, I'm going to leave this company. I can't believe that. I don't want to work with them. I was young. I was 23. Yeah. Didn't really understand what leader leadership means. I was being a manager. I was micromanaging everything. I was on top of them, but they wanted to leave even though they're making more money. I remember coming back after taking a few days off and I met with my team and I go, hey, I heard I'm not the best leader for you, and I've heard about my nickname. I can't stand that. I don't like it. I want to know what can I do more for you. And that was it. And it was like that's where the magic happened. And and it was quiet because they were like, uh oh. But then my assistant manager said something, and then I got more feedback. And the that's the the best lesson I learned was I was quiet. I looked them in the eye. I used my ears to listen to them. I wrote it down. And then I go, okay, thank you. That's great feedback. What can I do more of? And they told, or less of. Uh, so they gave me less of stuff that I could do. I wrote it down. Now I've now I've got their like attention, but my job is to show them the proof that I was listening. So in the next few months, I just, hey, you asked me to do this. You asked me to do that. And that was where I understood the power of scalability, the power of letting things go. Because I was being that leader where I was like keeping everything tight, mm-hmm. You have to do it my way or the highway. And and then I found out people have their different ways of doing stuff. So let them do it. And if I wouldn't have learned that lesson, I wouldn't have became the leader I am. I wouldn't have been able to scale and been as flexible as I've been. And I wouldn't been able to have these, these leaders that kind of stayed with me throughout my career. And a lot of them I still stay in touch with. They're in the book. And I love them to death. They're, they're tremendous for me. So been very grateful for that. So grateful for that. Tough yeah, it's love. the it's the great line from Hamilton, right? Uh, talk less, smile more. I mean, <laughs> use your ear. I love that. I love that you say like I use my ears. I looked him in the eyes <laughs> because that's a hard thing to do. Like if people are telling you, look, I don't like this, 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 and this, and you're just you just got to take it. And especially as a young you person, um, I think there is tremendous opportunity, especially in this industry, because of the types of people that um, find their way into our industry. And the youth that we that we hire, I think we we yeah. really need to practice our listening ears and practice our leadership to to bring those people along. Yeah, and we talked about words yeah. matter, right? And I learned this from my daughter; uh, she's a teenager. Kind of, I always look for triggers, things that get them all yeah. fired up. Now, I remember one time with my daughter, I go, "Why did you do that?" And guess what? She got all fired up and stormed upstairs, and I couldn't have a conversation with her. So I found out the word "why" is very attacking gets very defensive. Uh, so if people can stay away from that when they're being approached or like, why did you do that? I kind of go, when someone screws up, tell me more your process. Tell me what's going on here. Just so I can hear their side uh, more. And it gives me a chance to listen to them better uh, before reacting. 
And once I say why, it shuts everybody off. Even with clients, uh, with customers, it's the same thing. You got to be careful. Stay away from that word. Okay, so let's get into that because I'm a, I'm a- especially with your spouse yeah. or anything like that. You know, stay away from that word. Yeah, don't. Yeah, yes. Tell us. This is going to be like therapy for me too. Here, here we go. So, um, <laughs> so let's talk about word choice a little bit because I like I'm you know I'm I have degrees in journalism and English and so words are my thing, and I I am the guy who will like you know change a word that you on paper you're like why did you change that word but in my brain I'm like no it it was really important I promise you that it was important words do matter uh yeah do you have some other examples that you can share with us of like just little little tweaks that we can make from a language perspective to to make a change yes uh, just we just said change that's <laughs> one that gets people fired up too hey we're going to change your yeah. pay what what do you mean you're going to change our pay even though it's better it might be better you're giving them a couple of birth. they're going to freak out Change is a, is a naughty yeah. word. They just don't like that. So if you could just substitute change with improvements, we're going to be making improvements to your pay. We're going to do, a, instead of a systems change, we're going to be doing improvements to the system. So whatever it is, uh, part of that, even if you're doing unlimited changes or prices or whatever, be careful with that word change because people just avoid it and they get really negative with it really quick. One that we have in the house that the kids can't say is fair. Can't say the F word. Four-letter word, fair. I'm like, you know, life's just not fair. Things are going to happen. Because they would sometimes go with me, Dad, that's not fair. Mom, that's not fair. Well, life's not fair. <laughs> uh, so if they say that word, you got to do push-ups. But then they've caught me. They've held me accountable. Because uh, I was one time ramping and raving about yeah. politics. And just I said, you know, that's not fair. And they go, Dad, 10 push-ups. What do you mean? And then if I, if I debate with them, I challenge them, I get another 10 push-ups. So I got 20 push-ups. But I had to do them. My wife's had to do them. And those are just some words that, like, I don't like to say problems because, you know, it's. I like to say challenges. You know, we've got some challenges and different things, but those are some, I'd say if you can get rid of the word change, you can eliminate a Y out of your vocabulary. You're going to be a lot more successful and not get the other person as fired up. Uh, from your book, here's my favorite one, especially given what's going on um, in this industry right now. The difference between acquire and merge. Can you Can you share that with everybody? Yeah, that's a, that's a big one acquired so that means you were just just came in we acquired you we own you that's what they're hearing uh but no but you say we are merging together we're going to get our best practices that's how you bring companies together as fast as you possibly can but when you say getting acquired like i'll sometimes read it in the in the update they were just acquired or so super negative and uh i mean you just it's kind of like you're bringing in a stepbrother stepsister and you got to bring them into your family and you want to show them the love that's not the best way to show them the love um so there's there's processes of of merging them together listening to what they have they've got to understand that now we are going to have one common uh like mission or purpose for the company and that's what i would recommend if you if for some of these companies that are merging together uh to come up Get a couple of representatives from the other side, from both sides of the team, and have them come up with a purpose together. Uh, get some ownership from the other team to kind of help you through this, help you roll out things instead of just bringing in your team and letting them completely run it. Because there's there's a reason why you acquired that other right. company. And many times it wasn't because, uh, yeah, they got locations and so forth, but they've got amazing people and you want to retain those people. And uh, so it's it's really important to show that love to them as soon as you well, can. Well, I think what's interesting is it's a, it's... It's a words thing again in terms of like 
on paper, right, it shouldn't matter much. You know, you talk about M&A activity. Yeah, great. We got, well, yeah, we went out and we bought that wash. We acquired them. Yeah, but really, like, foundationally, like you're talking about, what you're doing is merging with that company to improve on challenges, right? I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. And so to create that culture that you want to go forward, uh, you got to be real careful. You got to be real mindful with your word choice. I love that. 100%. And what normally happens when, when companies merge together, the, the new company that's kind of merging, they will come in and start looking at everything that they're doing yeah. wrong. These are, I can't believe they're doing that. I can't believe their systems that, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. And they start rolling their eyes. No, that new company needs to come in and open up their eyes and listen to their ears. What are all the things that they're doing? Yeah. Great. And it's going to help you become better. Uh, so even like when my team shops the competition, I don't want them washing the cars at, at our location. Yeah. I know, I know what they're going to get. I want them to go to the competition. So tell me what the competition's doing right. I don't care what they're doing wrong because, of course, we don't want to do that. I want them, and when they go in with their eyes looking, oh, I like what they're doing here. I like how they're handling this. I like how they greeted me here. I like how they did that. That's a lot more productive for me, especially as a business owner, say, yes, how can we incorporate some of those things into our program? How can we make that better? Again, I'm not telling them what to do. I'm telling them to tell me of how we could do it, and then I hold them accountable after they gave me their commitment. Okay, so... Sorry for those of you listening to this. I'm jumping around a little bit here. We we talked a little bit about uh, personal accountability. We got in. We were we were jumping into some positivity here. Let's come back. I want to come back to um, the first one: personal accountability and and why you kind of have to lead with ex- uh, lead by example. Can you just talk about the importance of that? And I'm like, why you like if you're going to be a good leader and you're going to create the right culture, why you have to focus on the personal side first? Yeah, so it starts with you. There's not a perfect human being. And I know some people sound like, yeah, we're all perfect. No, we're not. We're not perfect. We all have flaws and we're going to continue having And it's okay. Yeah. I have no issues with that. So I know as a leader, I screwed up and made some mistakes and I'm going to probably screw up and make some mistakes. And as a dad, I've screwed up and made some mistakes. As a husband, I've screwed up and made some mistakes. I'm trying to yeah. limit those. <laughs> That's, that's where you got to look at yourself first, that personal accountability. And once you can go to your team and go, hey, I know I haven't been the best leader for you. I want to make some improvements. What can I do more of? Listen, what can I do less of? Take action. Once you do that, the next thing that happens is the magic. This is where your leader comes up to you and goes, hey, Hernani, I'd like to know what I can do more of and what I can do less of. Now they're taking that personal accountability and once they start having that personal accountability, that's where it starts to take off. Um, biannual reviews. So many organizations do them, but they do it one-sided. You know, they do it based on that for the employee. How about you take a moment and get some feedback from your team, from that employee that you're meeting with. As a leader, what can I do more of or less of? As a company, what can I do more of and less of? That's where I learned the most is by getting feedback and touching base with them. Yes, yeah, so it's that 360 concept right like yeah i'm, I'm gonna as as your leader i will inevitably give you feedback but i want you to feel feel open and empowered to give me feedback too otherwise this doesn't work yeah i saw um one of my managers going through systems change right now and i saw him do it with a customer the other day because we we screwed up we entering them into the system they weren't there they were unlimited he goes i'm so sorry but what what else can we do yeah. more of and i was like <laughs> Whoa. And then she customer answered a couple of times. I could just see her kind of smile. Anything else we could do less of? And actually he, he totally did that with a customer right there on the spot. Got some great feedback. The customer felt like, well, we were listening to them, but they just felt like, okay, they're really working through the systems change and we got it fixed. That's fantastic. I mean, talk about, talk about seeing your culture play out in real time. Yeah. <laughs> but I do do that with him at least every quarter. 
for sure. So and I have him do that with his team as well. So it's just become terminology within our culture. Okay, so um, let's. I love the. Let's talk about the review piece a little bit because there's another component that you talk a lot about um, that I think is really helpful. This idea of a, a, a personal review port, report card. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So so many organizations will come up with a their own metric system that they're going to come up with 10, 15, it could be four or five pages long. And at the end of the day, it's just a lot of overwhelming yeah. stuff. So when you have people do their own personal report card, what you'll find out is they're pretty hard on themselves. Uh, they're not, some people are, oh, they're going to give them an A plus. No, most of them are pretty hard on themselves. So we normally ask them, one of the first questions is, so tell me, how's the, how's it been since the last time we met? And just kind of talk about what are some great things that are happening in your life right now? So it's not work. Uh, so what are some things at work that you're mostly proud about accomplishments? What are some things that you actually want to learn more about the organization? Is there any leadership development skills that you want to improve on? So it's more about them. Uh, and then let's check in with your last th goals from the last period. So we have two work goals. It might've been you wanted to hit 8,000 members. Uh, you came in short or whatever, you exceeded that, whatever, whatever that goal was, if it's a manager or someone specific cashier. And then we'll do another one that's work related. And then we'll do a third one that's going to be personal. Remember that one personal goal you said you wanted to lose 10 pounds? Where are you at with that? So it becomes more personal. So I have two work related, one personal. We touch base. Uh, then I put calendar reminders every month to follow up with them to see how they're doing. And, and that's why they really feel that, okay, because a month flies yeah. by and like, uh-oh. <laughs> Where am I at with my own limits or where am I at with, with my weight? If that's something that they want to do. Sometimes it's saving for a house. I want to save X amount. Sometimes they get very personal uh, with you with things that they want to do. I've had someone say, I want to stop drinking, man. I'll do whatever it takes. I've, uh, I've, I've paid for counseling for um, some, some of my employees in the past. There's actually in the book, you'll, you saw a letter from one of my people that I worked with thanking me of how much, cause he had a problem and it wasn't until I told him that he's got a problem. He's got yeah. to get help that he did. And now he's an unbelievable uh, leader. So that's tough love, but I always tell him, Hey, can I give you some tough love? And like, yes. And then I give him tough love, <laughs> but I'm always by their side, <laughs> At least you ask for but it's, it's more, that's uh, people have a hard time having these difficult conversations with people. Cause it's like, I don't want to be yeah. mean. The worst thing you can do is not tell that person. So I always like to start off, Matt, is it okay if I give you some tough love? And majority of the time they go, Yes. If you would say, no, not right now. I'm like, okay, let's pick another time. We'll do it. Cause then you're listening and then I can give you some true tough love and they know it's coming from love that I really want them to become better at this. And guess what? I've gotten some tough love from, from my employees before and I've had to, <laughs> to listen and make sure take action. So, well, so how do you, okay. So let's, how do you establish that baseline? Right? Because like, I can't go up to the um, I can't go up to the cashier in the grocery lane and be like, "Hey, can I give you some tough love?" And they're not going to say yes. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Who are you? What? Why are you talking to me? How do you build that baseline so that there's that trust there and that you can have that conversation? Yeah, a lot of it is is that touching base with them, talking to them, having you go first as a leader. Uh, that more and less of, or that tough love conversation, making sure your team feels comfortable coming to you. Uh, if they're not coming to you or they're scared of you, you need some tough love. You're probably pushing them back. A cashier, they're not going to know what you're talking about. They're just kind of going through the, the flow. So normally that one, I'd probably give them some feedback. Let me give you some feedback. 
Uh, are you good with that? And then give them some feedback. But once they've worked with you and they understand the love culture, and if it's part of your values and they understand the love, the love of helping our clients. The, so our, at, at Turbo Shine, we make everybody shine. Uh, that's our number one goal. That includes our employees and that includes our customers that are coming through the door. And we also help two other people. One is Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure our equipment, we're not wasting water. We're doing things that are, that are right, our soap and all that stuff. So even when we're looking at new soap, we're like, is this eco-friendly yeah. type of soap? And then the last one is foster kids. Uh, we give back to helping foster kids, even so much that when you buy the best wash, we give $2 of that to foster kids. Uh, we have a mural that's being built right now on site that's going to be kind of for foster kids, just catering to that. And, and when they get involved in that, they they know that this company is here besides just washing cars. We're bigger than that. And that's what helps you recruit better quality people as well. well. Yeah, especially now because um, as we as we move down the ranks of the generations, right, the next generation, really, when they think about their um, employer and where they make a career, that that's got to stand for something. Like they want to join a group that's Absolutely. that's taking a stand that is about causes that like you know has a, um, a, a an aspect of social responsibility that didn't used to be required. Like you didn't used to have that, yeah. but it's super important right now. Let so true. Let's get into the last thing here, just... the last P, because we could. I mean, I don't want. I mean, people might not have to buy the book if we keep talking, because I'm just going to run them through the whole thing, but. Um, We'll make them buy the book because you got. I know that you you also do a portion of the proceeds from the book sales go to that uh, same foster care foundation. So um, if you're listening to this, friends, buy the book, buy the book, buy the book. Um, and it's on audio. It's sold everywhere: Walmart, Amazon, <laughs> Target, wherever you want to buy it. So. Uh, okay, so three P's: personal, positivity, right? So positivity. We're talking all about like uh, creating a positive environment. That's um, and the way that you. Uh, choose your words, the way you send your emails, the way those subject lines read, all the things, all the things, positivity. The last one. Catching people doing things right too. When you're at work, are you that gotcha manager catching them doing things wrong all the time? There's a lot of things that they do right. Celebrate that. When they bring and tell you that they screwed up, I totally screwed up on this. You celebrate and say, thanks for taking the hit. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. My, my team knows that they'll do that because sometimes what they do is hide it, and that problem becomes a bigger problem. Right. And, or, yeah, and then you hide one, you hide another, and you hide. Yep, yep. It's slippery. And then it's a big slippery. wildfire. Okay, so the third yeah. P, which is maybe the one that like most of us kind of at least conceptually understand, is performance accountability. So, yeah. educate us. So performance accountability is when when people kind of start grabbing the book and they'll like, oh yeah, personal. That yeah. sounds all right. Positive. Okay kumbaya stuff here and then i get into the perform that's what i want to read well you can go and do the performance but then you're going to be a her nazi like i am you're going to be an energy vampire no one's going to want to work with you you might get some results but it's going to be poor long term performance based is okay now that we've done the first two we can go to our team and and how are we going to measure success you can measure everything if you can't measure it why even do it um so even even your attitude we can measure your attitude Uh, i want to work on my attitude tell me more what is it you want to work on? I want to smile more. Okay, how often do you want to smile? Let's measure that. Or different things that depend on what, what it is. So once you do that, it's got to be a visible scoreboard. It's got to be something that everybody can see. And like, oh, no, I would never do that. I don't want my bottom performers to see how yeah. bad they are. That's why I've heard that before. Are you crazy? <laughs> you go to a professional sporting event. 
You go watch an NFL game, NBA, Major League Baseball, you get there. The professionals have everything up there. How many fouls, how much time's left on the clock, who's winning, who's losing, who's totally screwed up, who's been kicked out of the game. All that's visible. And so important to do that work. So let's pick a metric, whatever it is. Let's um, selling more unlimited or whatever it is uh, that they want to come up with that they want to focus on. Keep it, keep it no more than three things, measure it. And once you do celebrate successes with the people that are doing well, and then help the bottom people not go to the top, your bottom performers. So many times I see this with leaders. How do you get up here to Johnny's level way up here? They're freaking out. They're like, that's Mount Everest. I can't climb that. It's so much easier if you go to that bottom performer and go, all I want to do is bring you up to the average. Everybody wants to be average. Everybody wants to get up there. It's so much more doable. Okay, what are some things that we can do to bring you up to the average? Because once I bring those bottom performers up to the average, guess what happens to my average? It's basic math. I get a higher average. I get a higher average. And sometimes you get those, and that's how you take those baby steps. So that's kind of the performance-based accountability in a nutshell. I love, the, I love that approach because I think it can be really hard for people to, like, you know, eat the elephant, right? Like, how, how am I ever going to do this? I can't ever do this. But if you can if you can coach them along the way that, look, I don't need you to be the best today or tomorrow. I just want you to go from nine to eight. Let's go from eight to seven. Yeah. Let's go from seven to seven. You know, so eventually, yeah, you make those, those that great progress. That, that is, that's gold, my friend. That's gold. Good. Yeah. Good. So I wanted to give you a few little gold nuggets. You help so many people. So keep doing what you're doing. I well, love I, it. I appreciate that. I mean, I just, I get the, uh, I get the extreme pleasure of getting to share everybody else's stories. So it's, it's easy. I ask questions, people, people give me answers. So that's what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, Hernani, I am going to let you get back to the business of washing cars, but I want to say thank you so much, uh, for sharing some of your story with us uh, today on the show. My pleasure. Stay awesome, and if anyone wants to reach out, feel free to reach out. I'm always open, even if, even in the car wash business. I some there's some car wash owners that are like, nope, I'm not going to talk to anybody else, or I'm the opposite. I don't mind talking and helping other people become better, and I love learning from them as much. As yeah, well. well, we can we can hunt you down in Nashville at the car wash show in May. <laughs> we'll be there. I'm going to be there. I can't wait. Let's do it. Awesome, Nanny. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Car Wash the Podcast is your source for real stories and real business insights from the experts, both in and out of the car wash industry. Our show helps investors, owners, operators, and managers think about ways to enhance their business. Our podcast is a free on-demand audio program that provides information on the latest trends impacting the industry, tips from successful industry leaders, and inspiration for our listeners.